Father, we pray that as we turn to your word tonight, you do something amazing. We know that during this Jubilee series, there has literally been a sense that lives have been set free. You are our eternal Jubilee, Jesus. We're asking that tonight in this room, you do something amazing. Do what only you can do. Set the captive free. In Jesus' name, we declare this and everyone shouted. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We've been looking in this series over the last month about this concept that in Leviticus 25, God orchestrated a system called Jubilee, that every 50 years a trumpet would be sounded and every Israelite who had been in debt would have their debts canceled. Every Israelite whose personal debts had cost them their freedom would be set free from their slavery. And every Israelite who had lost their family land would have their inheritance given back to them in a 50-year moment called Jubilee, where God said every slate would be wiped clean, every debt would be canceled, every slave would be liberated, the bank accounts would be brought back to zero, people would be given back a second chance. It's an amazing concept. And if that alone was the extent of what God tells us in His Word, we would be encouraged to know that we serve the God of the second chance. Can you say amen in this building tonight? But we're amazed that in Isaiah 61, the prophet takes it further because the prophet says in Isaiah 61 that there is gonna come a time when the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord would come upon somebody to set at liberty those who are bound, to declare freedom for the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, that prison doors will be opened, captives will be set free, and that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord would come upon this person to proclaim the acceptable year of God's favour. We understand that the acceptable year of God's favour to someone reading that passage was not just any calendar year, but was a once in a 50 year moment called the year of Jubilee, the year of the favour of the Lord. Now we understand that when Jesus arrived in Luke chapter 4, he exclaimed in verse 21, after reading out Isaiah 61, that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, knowing that Jesus came to this earth to bring something more than just economic jubilee. He came to bring something far greater than just the fact that if you are in debt, then you can get out of your debt, that if you're in slavery, you can be set free from your physical bondage. But Jesus came so that the debt of sin in our lives could be canceled once and forever through His sacrifice upon the cross. And let's give Him praise because He canceled our debt. Come on, somebody. Not only did He cancel our debt, but the devil did hold us captive through sin. But now we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. And we've been set free from our slavery. The devil took our inheritance through sin, but now we've been given it back. And Jesus came to proclaim then a season of eternal jubilee. That we now live in the New Testament in the time of eternal jubilee that every person in this building can be forgiven of every sin they have ever committed, past, present, and future. There is no debt over your life. No one is in bondage to the devil any longer in their life. 
Come on, death has no hold over me. It has no hold over you. has no hold over the person sitting next to you. We have been set free. And we've been given back the blessing, identity, and the favor of God in our lives. And somebody should say, awesome. Awesome. Our God is great. And then we find here Jesus hanging upon the cross. When you start to read the Bible through the lens of Jubilee, it does change the way that you read pretty much everything about what Jesus said. You start to realize that this God began building something at the beginning of the Old Testament, releases it upon the cross, and then expounds it throughout the New Testament and wants it to be realized in your life, in this building tonight, that God has got a plan that you and I will live Live our lives free. Free. Jesus upon the cross uttered three words that when he uttered them, literally released something. He died upon the cross for my sin. He died upon the cross for your sin. He came to bring us freedom. He came to set our lives in a new direction. And when he died upon the cross, he'd already hung upon it. He's about to end his life. And in his dying words, his final words, our Father, forgive them. In saying those three words, moments later, he passed into eternity. As he died, I want you to understand, the blood hit the ground and hell's gates were opened. Not only were hell's gates opened, but heaven's gates were opened. He led captivity captive and no longer could death and sin have a hold over you and have a hold over me. And heaven received saints and hell released sinners. And my friends, that moment we stepped into Jubilee. And now any person in this room with Jesus in their life steps into the forgiving, freeing power of God into the season of eternal Jubilee. It's absolutely amazing when you start to realize that Jesus forgave you. He forgave me. He didn't forgive me because I'm an amazing person. The whole concept of Jubilee is that I'm not an amazing person. I'm a filthy, rotten sinner. Don't judge me. So are you. The Apostle Paul, I think, is a pretty great dude. He must have been, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Yet he said, our righteousness is like filthy rags. He's talking about it's got the grease from the motorbike on it. Come on, it's like you've just, just used it for every crude thing you can imagine, like filthy rags. That rag is like your righteousness compared to the standards of our God. Yet, because of what Jesus did, God has forgiven you. Man, when that takes root in your life, it changes something. I want you to understand that God has forgiven you. He has forgiven you. He has released you from your past. He's already forgiven the sins of your future. Man, this is radical preaching because when you hear it, it's like, man, are you saying we should just go out here and sin? Well, no, but wait till the end of the sermon. You're gonna understand really what Jesus has done. But it is the kindness of God that is the greatest motivating force for righteousness I've ever experienced. Come on. When you know that God touched your life in spite of who you are, 
in spite of your own imperfections, that this God died on the cross for us, absolutely sets us free. And I want you to understand that because Jesus has forgiven me, because Jesus has forgiven you, the grave has no hold over us. Our debt is canceled. Our freedom is guaranteed. Our inheritance is restored. And now, my friends, we, we live in a season where literally it's like if we were in a prison, the gates are open and we can walk out anytime we want. And Satan hates Jubilee. He hates it. He hates it because of any believer, whether you're 13, 14, 40 or 80, in this room tonight begins to believe that God has actually set them free. The gates are already open and now it's time for you and I to walk out of our prison cell because God has already forgiven us and the gates are already opened. But Satan wants to keep you and I from believing that we are truly forgiven because he wants you and I to stay in the prison even though the doors are already open. And somebody in this room needs to know before the series is ended that you are forgiven. You are forgiven. God has forgiven you. I don't know what you've done in life. I don't know what secret sin is lurking in the corner. I don't know what you think is really kind of always going to be with you. But I want you to know that Jubilee says, I am forgiven. In Matthew chapter 9, there's an amazing passage of Scripture where these crazy boys grab their friend who is paralyzed. I love the story on so many levels because they literally ripped open a roof to get their buddy to Jesus. I, I want to have those kinds of friends, don't you, you know? Like the kind of friends who say that rules apply to other people, you know? These guys rip open the roof. They lower their buddy down to meet with Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus looks up at this man and in Matthew chapter nine, it's gonna come up on the screen. He says, take heart or take courage. Your sins are forgiven. See, I want you to know that the man's evident problem is the paralysis of his legs. But the greater problem is the unforgiveness lurking in his heart. And I don't know what is stopping you from living at the maximum potential God has for you in your life. What's made you come up lame. What makes you feel like you can never be free. Why you don't step into a new relationship. Why you don't feel worthy of the blessing of God. Why you don't really believe that you can never be a leader in God's house. Move on from some kind of sin. While you still feel like you're sentenced to the same cycle. But Jesus said, before he restored the man's legs, he said, no, 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 let's deal with the real issue. Then let's deal with the outward manifestation. He said, the real issue, take courage, your sins are forgiven. I came to proclaim over your life, it's your jubilee. And somebody in this room, come on, give the Lord some praise tonight. Somebody in this room needs to know that greater than the outward condition is your inward condition. And Jesus said, hang on a minute. Do you not believe that I have got the power to forgive his sins? All right, well, let me prove it. Let's deal with the lesser issue. See, the lesser issue is that he can't walk. 
that might carry him be with him for a while, but whether you're forgiven of your sins or not is something you're going to carry into eternity. And he said, I've already dealt with the real thing now that you might know that I've actually got the power to forgive you. Take up your mat and walk. And we all get excited because a paralyzed man began to walk. But Jesus is saying, that's not the really exciting part. The really exciting part is that it doesn't matter what you've been carrying, what sin you've been holding over you. Come on, what you feel is your final judgment. What you feel you can kind of never really, oh man. Your sins are forgiven. Come on, somebody. Father, forgive them. He wants you and I to understand that He has forgiven us. The woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. The Bible tells us that all the people, all the Pharisees, catch this woman. They march her in before Jesus. And then they say, let him who is without sin cast the first stone at this woman. They're all gathered around waiting to see what's going to happen from the oldest to the least. We've talked about this story a couple of times in the series, from the oldest to the least. Because the older you are, the more you are aware that you're not faultless in life. It's easy when you're 15 to be arrogant. It's a lot harder when you're 50. We know we've got shortcomings. Well, I'm not there yet, but... But anyway, you people who are, you know that you've got shortcomings. And Jesus, finally, when every man is thrown down a stone and walked away, Jesus says to the woman, where are they who condemn you? See, listen, where's the person standing around you who's faultless? Look around you tonight. Do you honestly believe that you're awful and everybody around you is just amazing? You really think that you're the only one who's ever stuffed it up in life? The only one who's got something lurking in your past? The only one who's got some kind of questionable aspect to your previous journey that kind of you feel that pious Christians would judge you as being lesser than than they know? I've been a pastor for 20 years and one thing I know is that your problem is the same as the person next you's problem, is the same as the person behind you's problem. Nothing's really gonna shock anybody. We're all carrying the same junk in the trunk as our American brothers say. And Jesus said, no one around you is better than you. They don't condemn you. Here's the great part. Come on. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. They don't condemn you. So if you're looking at that from me, that's not what I came to bring. I didn't come to bring condemnation. I came to bring forgiveness. I didn't come to put you in prison. I came to bring you out of it. I didn't come to judge you. I came to release you. Come on, somebody. Go. You are free. Leave your life of sin. Leave the judgment of people. You don't have to hang around with the same friends. Come on. I have forgiven you. Move on. You are released. You are free in Jesus. Has the woman who weeps at the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, the Bible says that there is a woman who comes in who kind of has this massive questionable past. She's obviously a woman of the world. She comes walking in. There's Jesus sitting down. And this woman just rocks up, 
grabs, she's in a bottle of perfume, pours it over Jesus' feet, then begins to weep, her tears flood her feet, you know, until, you know, certain people can just weep a lot, you know what I mean? Like when my, my son doesn't cry very often, but when he does cry, it's like the tap is turned on. It's like a liter comes out in about a minute. You know, this woman's got that gift and she just literally weeps all over Jesus' feet. And then she's wiping her tears and the perfume away with her hair. And people around Jesus are saying, if Jesus knew what this woman's past was like, there's no way they would let her do this. They would let, he would let her do this to him. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story. One guy, two men are in debt to a moneylender. One guy is in debt 500 denarii. Another guy is in debt 50. And the moneylender sits them both down and says, you are both forgiven, released from your debt. Which one do you think would be the most grateful, would love the man the most? And Peter says, well, that's easy. The guy who was in debt, 500. And Jesus says, that's right. Because he who has been forgiven little, loves little. But it says in the verses coming up on your screen tonight, it says, but he who has been forgiven much, loves much. And I want you to understand that every person in this room needs to know, you're all carrying a 500 denarii worth of junk in your trunk, and Jesus didn't just forgive you of half of it or a little bit of it or just kind of the regrettable stuff, but even the stuff you did on purpose, even the stuff that grieved his heart, he has forgiven every one of us. Come on, we should love much because we have been forgiven much. Somebody shout, I forgive me. Shout it. I forgive me. Grab a seat. This is an amazing story. And I want you to understand tonight that haters are unforgivers. People who are carrying unforgiveness will always be haters in life. Lovers are forgiven and haters are unforgiven. And Jesus says the measure of your love is the measure to which you have experienced forgiveness in your life. And God loves you and God has forgiven you. And if God has forgiven you, then He's saying to every person in this room tonight, He forgave the paralyzed man. He forgave the woman in adultery. He forgave the questionable upbringing. He's forgiven other people. He's forgiven you. And it's time for you to forgive you too. Come on. The gate is open. The gate is open. Prisoners can be set free. And now God is saying in this room tonight, the only way that you and I can actually take the final step into our jubilee, the only way I can be truly free is if I forgive me. God has forgiven me. Now I must forgive me. I must move on from my past. I must release my previous faults. I cannot live in my past a moment longer. I must forgive me. Anybody ever had a reoccurring memory of something they've done in their past? Any kind of, anybody ever kind of lived with that kind of, why the heck did I do that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll never forget, I don't, I don't think I've told this story in church before, but this Jubilee series is like, let's air the laundry, you know what I'm saying? 
But when I was young, starting out in ministry, I, I, was, I was trying to convince Jillian to date me. So this is during a seven-week period that I was sending letters. You know, this is an old story when you're sending letters. Nobody sends letters these days. Who does that? You know what I'm saying? I'm sending letters. She's sending letters back to me. I send her a letter. I tried to get her to call me. She wouldn't call me. I sent her a letter with a $2 coin. This, again, that would pay for a phone call back then. I paid for, put a $2 coin and I, 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 I um, sellotaped it inside the letter and sent it to her with a big thing on it. You know, colored it in and all that because it's romantic. <laughs> saying, call me. I mean, so... During, there's a seven-week period, and, and I was living in Christchurch, a, a place called Living Springs out the back of Christchurch, and I was looking after um, a, 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 an evangelism school. There's about 30 full-time students. Andrew Kabbalah was one of the students, and uh, a few other friends of mine. Kerry Robertson is going to be at a conference uh, coming up past the church on the Gold Coast, and a few other people, and, and we're, we're hanging out together for, for seven weeks. And you get to know each other pretty well over seven weeks. You know what I'm talking about? And one day... I was standing, this is back in the days of the original Barker's tracksuit pants. They're making an attempt at a retro appearance, but this is back in the day when they were the coolest thing. 90210 was on television. You know, we had hairstyles remarkably similar to the one I have today. It's amazing, isn't it? And we had Barker's tracksuit pants. And I was standing on a balustrade on an outdoor balcony with my hands on the roof of the, of, the, of the overhang, whatever you call that, you know, the veranda thing. And then I'm standing on the balcony. There's a deck here. And behind me is a two-story drop to the ground. Okay, concrete at the bottom. And my friend Kerry comes up and he thinks it'll be really, really funny to grab my Barker's tracksuit pants and pull them to the ground. What Kerry didn't stop to imagine is that a man might not be wearing briefs He might be wearing boxer shorts instead. So Kerry, in front of about 20 people, grabs my tracksuit pants and manages, I had long boxer shorts, he manages to grab the boxer shorts as well. (laughs) You understand that I couldn't quickly release. I mean, I'm, I'm getting off there as fast as I can. It's one of the most humiliating experiences of my entire life. I'm going to bed that night. I feel dirty. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm like... I'm walking down the corridor the next day. I'm looking at the ground, you know. I'm just like, oh man, you know, this is not... This is... This is not happening. This is, this is not right. This, this is not cool. I'm living in the memory. I, I can't shake it. And you know, the truth is, my friends, that every single one of us has got something like that in our lives. That's a mild story, really, compared to what a lot of people in this room are carrying. Some, a lash out in anger, a lustful moment. Some kind of tragedy, some kind of time when you walked out on something, said something you shouldn't, compromised your own integrity, walked away from some kind of moral value. I don't know, lied, cheated, stolen, whatever you've done. All in this room. I mean, I'm not trying to label you. I'm not making you feel bad. But what I want you to understand is that everybody's got something. Everybody's got something lurking in their life. Everybody's got something hanging over you. And I want you to understand tonight that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. 
Now, accusers work like this. Accusers grab the moment of your failure and they parade it in front of others and say, hey, 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 no, no. You think that they're Joe Cool. You think that they're amazing Christian. But look at this. I wanna show you this picture, the sequence of events. And so the devil is bringing that moment up in minds all over this room all of the time. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, you just had a quiet time. But what about... Last month, when you looked at something on the internet, what about that moment in your world? What about, what about that trade? What about when you walked away? What about that relationship breakdown? What about the fact that you're now, you know, in this space in your life? And the devil is going to bring stuff up all of the time. He wants you to live in the prison. In the prison of your shame. Come on. In the prison of my fear, in the prison of my judgment, in the prison of my guilt, in the prison of my condemnation. See, my friend, I want you to understand that the devil, all he has against you is accusation. That's all he has. Because Jesus prayed, Father, forgive. Come on. Father, forgive them. We have already been forgiven through Jesus. So the devil can't actually land the punch. All he can do is show you the picture. And all the time he's showing people the picture to stop us from walking out of the prison and living in the freedom, the jubilee that Jesus came to bring for you and I. He wants us living in our judgment, living in our sentence, not knowing that the greatest glory you can ever give to God is to walk out of the prison cell, that Jesus opened that gate through the blood of His life upon a cross. And now accusation is null and void through the cross and we are set free by Jesus. Come on, somebody give the Lord some praise tonight. See, accusation is all the devil has. Condemnation is all you have. So come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Because hanging over you is the condemnation that you feel because of what you've done and you tell yourself and God's going, hang on a minute, where are they who condemn you? I'm not condemning you. So why are you condemning you? So the devil brings the accusation. We bring the condemnation. But I want you to understand that accusation is all the devil has for you. Condemnation is all you have for you. But listen, forgiveness is all Jesus has for you. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise. It's all that Jesus has for you is forgiveness. He has forgiven you. He has forgiven you. He has forgiven you. He has forgiven us our transgressions. He has released us from our prison cells. We are set free. You know, like when someone's set free from slavery, they have to go through a transition in their mind to begin to accept their freedom. And every believer in this room needs to understand that you have been set free. And now we must transition our minds from having just been kind of somehow, you didn't just get another day. You got a record wiped clean. Come on. He didn't say, no, no, you can live tomorrow and I'm gonna defer your interest. He didn't say that. He said, I will cancel your debt. 
It's not a long return plan, uh, return, repayment term plan. It is a cancellation of debt. It is a removal of the written code. It is the release from prison for those who have been in captivity. We are forgiven because of Jesus. We can no longer live bound by what Jesus has freed us from. We have been forgiven. And all of this room tonight, there are three words that I reckon God wants every person to say to themselves. You can't say them to God because He's already said them to you. God has already forgiven you. So now every person in this room needs to say to themselves, I forgive. I forgive. God has already forgiven you. So it's time for you to forgive you. God's looking for somebody in this room who's going to realize that God wants you to forgive yourself. Philippians 3 verse 13. The Apostle Paul, how many people know this dude has been forgiven of a lot? He is a mass murderer. He broke up families. He arrested people, put them in jail. And the reason why he broke up families, murdered people and put them in jail is because they believed in Jesus Christ. Then he meets Jesus on a Damascus road. How many people know he's got a lot of junk in the trunk? Come on. You think you're carrying a lot? Anybody got a haunting memory? Something they did to somebody else that caught them pain, a regrettable decision, a moment of fear. Come on. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody, walked out a month later, a year later, replicated the same hurt that you, they gave to you on somebody else? Hurt people, hurt people. I don't know what's going on in Peter's, Apostle Paul's life. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, in fact, in the previous verses, he begins to talk about his past life. He's kind of building up the picture a little bit of how good he was, how bad he was, how righteous he was, the Pharisee, how evil he was, because he hated people who loved God. And then Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, This one thing I do. I am forgetting what is behind me and I am straining towards what is ahead of me. Come on. Somebody in this room needs to know that the one thing God wants you to do is to step out of your prison cell, forget what is in your past. I don't care about the junk in the trunk. Accusations from the devil. Redemption is from Jesus. He wants you knowing that you're free, living like you're free, forgetting what is behind you and moving towards. Come on, somebody give a Lord praise that He sets prisoners free. Come on, that He releases the captives. God wants you to know that the written code is broken. There is a thing called the cross, my friends. And because of the cross of Jesus, we have been released. Our sin is paid for. You can't pay for it anymore. Jesus has already paid for it. No pity party adds to the cross. No guilt, no shame, no wallowing can add to the cross. No tears can make the cross more powerful. No shame can make the cross less able. God is wanting every person Come on, somebody, somebody, somebody needs to believe that the cross has set them free and broken the chain and liberated their lives. I'm not a captive. I'm not a captive. Somebody needs to jump to their feet and begin to tell the devil to get off their life because nothing can bind me and shame can't hold me and my past doesn't limit me. Oh no, I'm free. I forgive me.